Today on the newscast, Bennett and Putin discuss Iran, Israel braces for conflict in Gaza and Lebanon, and the Biden administration blames President Trump for the Iran mess. Get all the breaking details next. Hey folks, Eric Stackelbeck here. Welcome to the Watchman Newscast. Three major Middle East stories we want to dig into today. We will start with a major phone call today between Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and Russian President Vladimir Putin. Now, today, the two leaders spoke Thursday, January 13th. This follows that initial in-person meeting they had back in late October 2021 in Sochi, Russia, where Bennett visited Putin at his home there on the Black Sea. And they apparently came to agreements in that first face-to-face meeting, folks, over Syria in particular and Israel's freedom of movement, I guess you would say, to strike Iranian and Hezbollah assets inside Syria. There was apparently an understanding reached where Russia said, okay, you can continue to strike out against Iran and Hezbollah inside Syria. Although, remember, number one, Russia is aligned with Iran in Syria. And number two, there are Russian soldiers present inside that country. Nevertheless, by all accounts, that first face-to-face meeting went very well. And Putin did give Israel the green light to continue attacks, certainly with some caveats, I'm sure. But as we've seen over the past few months, and we have detailed for you here on the newscast, Israel has continued to strike Iran and Iran's various proxies inside Syria, including some attacks, too, uh, at the port in Latakia on the Mediterranean Sea, which Israel really hadn't done much of over the years. Remember, Latakia is not too far from where Russian troops are stationed in Syria. So very interesting first meeting between the two men. And now the phone call today, they discussed, surprise, surprise, the Iran nuclear deal. Now remember, folks, Russian negotiators are there in Vienna alongside negotiators from Britain, France, China, Russia, the European Union, and indirectly at least uh, the U.S. Remember, American diplomats are not permitted in the same room as their Iranian counterparts in Vienna, which is pretty sad and really tells you all you need to know. They are deemed as indirect talks between the U.S. and the Iranian regime. But the goal at the end of the day is to revive that disastrous Iran nuclear deal that the U.S. rightly pulled out of in 2018, and that the Biden administration is hell-bent on re-entering today in 2022. Now, again, Russia has a seat at that negotiating table. Russia is obviously aligned with the Iranians in Syria and on other issues in that anti-American front that they all kind of combined to form. So Prime Minister Bennett was saying to Vladimir Putin, hey, we expect you to hold Iran's feet to the fire in Vienna And if you guys are determined to hammer out a new incarnation of this Iran nuclear deal, we expect it to be a very tough deal that holds the Iranian regime accountable. Uh, Good luck with that. I'm sure Vladimir Putin, as he listened on the phone, nodded and smiled and said, oh, yes, that's exactly what we'll do. But don't expect Russia uh, to be the voice of reason at the negotiating table in Vienna as they, again, are aligned with Iran Uh, in Syria. But by the same token, Putin seems to want to keep a solid relationship, no doubt, with Israel and with 
Naftali Bennett. Today on this phone call, he reportedly invited Bennett to visit him now in St. Petersburg, Russia, for a second meeting between the two leaders. Folks, uh, if you watch the newscast on a regular basis, you know that I am highly skeptical of the long-term relationship between Russia and Israel and Vladimir Putin's uh, ultimate motives here. Again, when you have Russia aligned alongside Iran and Hezbollah, working with them openly inside Syria, sharing intelligence with them, etc., at Israel's doorstep, and say Israel eventually, the moment of reckoning comes that we've talked about so frequently here on the newscast, and Israel faces off against Iran and Hezbollah, perhaps the Assad regime, another good friend of Russia. What does Russia do? Does Russia stand pat and just watch as Israel prevails over Russian allies in Syria where Russian troops are present? Does Russia do anything? I'm not saying necessarily uh, militarily at first, but bottom line, if you look at the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38 and 39, and that looming war of Gog and Magog that the Bible talks about, it seems to indicate that Russia will be part of that latter days, Ezekiel's words, in the latter days, invasion force that comes against Israel. The good news is for Israel and for the free world, this invasion force doesn't get too far and they fall on the mountains of Israel when God Almighty, the God of Israel, intervenes. So certainly we're keeping a close eye on that relationship between Israel uh, and Russia. Speaking of coming conflicts, Naftali Bennett this week made some interesting comments in meetings at the Knesset. He said, number one, that Israel is undergoing a major military rearmament, really building up their military uh, for certainly future conflicts that Israel will be forced into. It looks more and more apparent now with Iran pushing the envelope along with its proxies. And Bennett referenced that directly, folks. He said that soon, 2022, I, I presume he was referring to, that Israel could be forced into confrontation in Gaza and Lebanon. Now, of course, when he's referencing Gaza, he's talking about Iran's proxies there, Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad. And in Lebanon, the kingpin in southern Lebanon, of course, is Iran's most lethal proxy, Hezbollah. So Bennett's saying, look, that, that day of reckoning may be coming. We don't know how long we can stave off these Iran-backed terrorist forces on our borders. And Iran really holds the match here, folks. The head of the snake in Tehran, if they want to ignite the region, they can do it. They can activate that ring of fire that surrounds Israel and which includes Gaza and Lebanon. So Bennett is no fool and he sees the writing on the wall, so to speak, and that eventually Israel is going to have to deal with these massive threats gathering on its borders. Last thing to note here, as we talk about the Iran nuclear deal, the Biden administration, which again is trying to revive the deal as we speak, they've got an interesting strategy now when they're talking Iran. According to the news site Axios, the Biden White House is saying, okay, now when we talk to the media and we talk publicly about Iran and the Iran deal, we're going to basically blame Trump. We're going to slam President Trump and say that it's Trump's fault that we are in this situation right now, the entire mess we have uh, with Iran. This is, according to Axios, coordinated strategy now by the Biden administration. And we saw it apparently go into effect yesterday, folks, on uh, Wednesday, January 12th, 
a State Department spokesman, Ned Price, blasted the Trump administration's handling of the Iran nuclear deal and pulling out of that initial Iran nuclear deal back in 2018. And I want to quote directly, though, White House spokeswoman Jennifer Psaki and what she said about President Trump. I'll just read it right here for you directly. And I quote, because this needs to be corrected, folks, what she said here. I quote Jennifer Psaki said, what we're looking at and what we'd like to remind the public of, again, coordinated strategy, is why we are at this point now with Iran. Uh, Iran's increased capability and capacity, their aggressive actions that they have taken through proxy wars around the world, would not be happening if the former president, Trump, had not recklessly pulled out of, pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal with no thought as to what might come next. So a bit of historical revisionism there by Jennifer Psaki at the White House. Needless to say, I would argue that the main reason Iran's proxies in the region have been even more active since May 2018 when President Trump pulled out of the Iran deal is simply because they have a freer hand now, in particular inside Iraq and Syria. Remember, Iran and its proxy militias in Iraq and Syria proxy forces were preoccupied fighting against other jihadis of the Sunni variety, specifically ISIS inside Iraq and then various jihadi forces, including ISIS inside Syria. What do we have today in 2022? The ISIS caliphate has been crushed, thanks in large part, of course, to the United States and our Kurdish allies. And number two, Bashar al-Assad has largely prevailed in that Syrian civil war. What does that mean? It means Iran has more freedom of movement. They are less tied up in those two countries, and that enables them to focus more attention on building up their proxy capabilities against the United States and against Israel and against Saudi Arabia via the Houthis in Yemen. That's the real reason we see more proxy activity on the part of Iran. And guess what? Now that they see weakness in Washington, D.C. from the current administration, you will only see these proxies ramp up their activities even more. The hot spots around the world are growing even hotter. Keep all of this in prayer. We will continue to be your frontline source on all of these issues right here on the Watchman Newscast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Until tomorrow, God bless you. And remember, never hold your peace.